and welcome to the Eastern Kicks podcast, a regular magazine program about East Asian film led by me, Andrew Heskins, founder and grandmaster of EastonKicks.com, and James Mudge, our leading writer. Hey, Each episode, we'll be taking a look at the latest films, news, and festivals, often chatting to filmmakers and stars along the way. Welcome to the latest show. This episode, we focus on Lunana, a yak in the classroom. <laughs> Nominated for Best International Film at the Oscars in 2022. Kehodi chats to the director, Pawo Choining Dorji, and we talk about the film later on. Meanwhile, James has a roundup of some of the most recent releases around on the street streaming channels. Yeah. But first, James, you know, there's that important question again. <laughs> what are you drinking this episode? Uh, whiskey, again, still, although... Um... Yeah, not the best. No, not bad. Jameson's. Jameson's. It's it's Jamesons. fine. It's all right for an early afternoon whiskey. Put it that way. <laughs> what have you got? Uh, I've got uh, Northern Star and their uh, Northern Monk. Oh uh, yes, which I've is had that. a which is a uh, it's one of those kind of sweet porters, a chocolate caramel biscuit yeah. porter. So it's, it's like a dessert drink, really. So it's a bit it's a bit early in the day for a dessert drink. It's a nice one. I've had that. I've had that before. It's just very since I'm off. Of beer, uh, the calories. It even in smells it. of. It does. It, it really does smell of, of sort of caramel <laughs> kind of. I'm guessing that's your that's your daily calories in that in that can. <laughs> I would expect this is daily calories in, in less than half a can, and it's not even a big can. But yes, and it's it's five point two percent. So it is. It classes a, a, as a folly. It gets over the folly line. Yeah, well, it's fair enough. <laughs> Luna nagi lobda dinga chigi gya khabgi madowa zamni gya khabsugi lobda sugi tele thazugi lobda chi chigi ngachi shirin lenka ta chika labe dibe lo shi asuna te ya luna na le lebe chu gobe ngachi na lenka na lo yigu chilu de ngi lobchi na pesha te tinga tangora minase dio chigi luji mama ma beshina chara yasun so hi kai thank you for joining us to 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 chat about um Lunana, a yak in the classroom, which is finally getting a UK release after, I mean, I saw it originally at the 2019 London Film Festival. So yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, some time ago. Yeah. Thank you for having me on the podcast. <laughs> no problem at all. And, and we'll, be, we'll be going into the interview you did with the director, uh, Pawo Chowning Dorji, um, in a minute. Um, but I think if you can... Kind of give me a give us a, a bit of a, a bit of context of what the film's about, um, and and anything people might need to know going into the interview, the the chat you had with him. Um, basically, the film covers a, about a, a teacher um, in Bhutan um, who has dreams of going to Australia to be a singer, um, but he has to fulfil the rest of his government contract before he's allowed to leave, and they send him to the most remote village possible which has no electricity, no running water, at least the, the, the absolute basics in the, in the remote farm mountains where you can't, the electricity is even very sporadic <laughs> and dependent on the environment. So, um, and it's all about the, the context for the movie is the idea that, you know, a lot of people in Bhutan now that they have contact with the outside world because they were quite delayed in, in getting TV and internet, they look for their happiness externally. And Bhutan is a nation that is um, looking for gross national happiness rather than profit or productivity. <laughs> I mean, but they use so, that expression quite a lot in the yeah, film. Yeah, they do. Yeah. 
Um, and it's about the fact that he's looking externally for this happiness, but being sent to the mountains to to pretty much how Bhutan used to be. It's almost reconnecting with the happiness that he should be looking for. It's a reflection as well of the, the loss of teachers mm. and teaching is, is very important in um in Bhutan. It's a very respected job and it's uh they're losing a lot of teachers because people have ambitions outside the country now. Yeah, I guess that's part of the, the, the risk of opening up. Um, and I guess it's worth, before we're going into your, your interview, it is worth mentioning that, you know, that, that the actual filming was done, I believe, it, it, uh, in that remote location. So the kind of hardships that the, the character goes through, um, Powo and, and, and uh, the, the crew went through themselves as well as the cast to actually film it. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. They um, had to rely on solar power batteries to run the cameras. Um, they didn't have a, a way of playing back what they were seeing until they actually got back to Taiwan. So mm. yeah, there's a lot of trust within each other, I think, to to get hold to to understand what they were doing and have that that cohesive vision to mm. get that done. And it's very environmentally friendly having solar-powered cameras, you know. <laughs> Maybe one day that'll be the way forward for all films. You never know. <laughs> oh, yeah, it should be, shouldn't it? Okay, so let's go into your, your chat with Paolo. Hi. Hi, <laughs> Kay. Hi. So you uh, know all the things? I learned to say hello just to make sure I was going to greet you <laughs> properly. <laughs> and as well, like learning a lot, learning a little bit of the language helps a little bit when you're watching the film. And the, the feel of the yes, language yes. in your mouth can really help with culture. So. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for doing an interview with us. I hope you're not too tired about talking about the film because it's no, been no, around no, no. for a couple of years now. So uh, oh, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> One thing I see is that I actually really enjoyed your TED talk, uh, where you described yourself as uh, not as a photographer but a writer of light. Oh, that um, was that was a very long time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was just wondering how your photography has influenced your approach to visualizing the Lunana story. Um, you know, Kay, um, I uh, never studied photography. I never studied filmmaking. Uh, but I was drawn uh, to these mediums because I love storytelling, and that's who I think, who I identify as. I, I'm 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 a storyteller. I don't identify myself as a photographer or a filmmaker, but I'm a storyteller. And I, I was saying this in the previous interviews as well. Uh, you know, in as a Bhutanese in our culture, storytelling is such an important part of our culture and our tradition so important that we don't even have a word for it um you know in uh english it would be k tell me a story but in our culture it would be k please untie a knot for me uh the act of telling a story is supposed to have that untying uh liberating freeing purpose and that's the kind of stories i heard as i grew up in bhutan uh, you know i i mm -hmm. i would grow up i grew up in my grandfather's kitchen hearing stories that were told or untying knots and uh, as a photographer uh you know if you see some of the photos that i've taken and the stories i collected it's all that you know it's 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 almost like things that i learn uh in these simple things that images that i saw 
and uh, Lunana Ayak in the classroom is actually uh, coming together of many images and many stories that I captured mm-hmm. as a photographer. Uh, I had collected so many stories. Every scene of the movie actually is actually a photograph and a story I had collected. And then mm-hmm. eventually I thought, oh, oh, you know, what if all these images became moving pictures and it became one story? And that's how the idea of the movie came together. Uh, you know, the father and daughter, the barefoot scene, that's, oh, that's yes, the red, the red boots against the oh, yeah. stuff. Was, that was yeah. really beautiful. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll send you that actual photo. You know, I, it was I was trekking in really remote Bhutan. It was raining. Uh, you know, every, it was wet outside, cold. And I went into this yak herding tent. And then this yak herder gave me warm yak milk. And I remember drinking it and I was drenched. And I looked over and it and he was barefoot. And his feet were all cracked and it had all callus all over. And he was just walking over ice and rocks. And I was wondering, oh, and I asked him, I was like, you don't have shoes? And he said, oh, I, I you know, I, 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 I spend my money on some things that are more important. And right then his daughter came over and she was wearing these little red rain boots. And then I took a photo of that. And then that image st- stuck, stuck on with me. You know, it, every time I looked at it, it inspired me to be a better father. You know, I think there are many mm-hmm. things I take for, we take for granted. And then um, finally, when I decided to make a movie, I thought, okay, I have to incorporate this story somewhere. Uh, same thing with the melting glaciers, even the yak in the classroom. Uh, you know, I, I met a teacher <laughs> uh, and he told me about how he taught in a school like Lunana. And he taught, told me about how he had to climb up the mountain to collect yak dung every day. He got so tired, so he caught a yak and tied it in the classroom. And then he talked in the classroom. <laughs> and then I took a photo of him telling me the story. And then I kept thinking, I was like, wow, if I could reproduce this image in a movie, I said, how amazing would that be? A yak in the classroom, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's actually a lot of uh, symbolism, isn't there, in the story with the yeah. Bhutan mythology and current social issues and your own Buddhist yeah. beliefs. They work so well together. Was that, a, it was, too. it's clearly a very organic process, or did you have to design a few things carefully to, to ensure uh, they all fit together? Well, it, uh, you know, um, it's when you have different inspirations coming together, uh, I think it, it it became like a good equation you know and then of course uh, once you get up to lunana uh, something that uh, is un- that that i think that is difficult to do in bhutan is that our film industry is so small we have no professional actors so many times when i write a script i actually write a script and i'll be really excited with how the scene plays out and at the end i'm like wow i just wrote a really incredible scene and then i'm left wondering where will I find actors who can perform these the scene in Bhutan? And then that's the reality check, you know. And then I have to be like, oh no, I have to go delete it and then make it rewrite it in a way where I feel like the pe- the, act- the non-professional actors will be able to deliver it. <laughs> so with Lunana as well, uh, you know, I I wrote the script, but I was very lucky because when I casted different people, they all kind of fit the role. And then what I did was, um, because to make the film in Lunana, I had to wait for almost a year because uh, of the the weather and because we were relying on the sun. Uh, 
so, you know, I had a lot of time with our actors. I met Pemzam, I spoke to her, I spoke to the village headman, I spent time with him, I visited Lunana, I was with them, and I was then really able to incorporate their lives in the story. Uh, you know, for example, Pemzam is called Pemzam. I, I named her Pemzam only because she's being herself. Whatever you see in the movie, that's her life story. She has no mother. She has an aged grandmother. She, uh, you know, has a drunk father who can't even crawl out of bed because he's so drunk. Uh, and it's very unfortunate. But then I wanted her to share her story. So a lot of times when we're on set, you know, I'm not telling them to be someone else or act. They're just being themselves. Yeah. So it's, 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 I always say it's like a docu-feature. Yeah, I think it was very, very effective. Yeah, Pam mm. was so sweet. Yes, you can yes, just feel yes. how innocent she was that, you know, completely isolated in the, in the village from the, mm. uh, the outside you world. Know, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share with you that uh, Pemzam uh, has just uh, attained a scholarship to at, uh, study at the Royal Academy, which is the most prestigious king's uh, school in Bhutan. It's a very, very difficult school to get into. And uh, for me, I was when I made Lunana, you know, uh, as a Buddhist, uh, you know, my karma and Pemzam's karma, you could say, cross paths and it became <laughs> interwoven, you know, uh, and I felt forever connected with her. And since I left Lunana, I have been trying and trying to ensure that her education would continue because in Lunana, schools go up only to the sixth grade. And after sixth grade, they drop out and they become farmers and yak herders. And that's the end. And her father kept wanting her to drop out because he didn't see a future in education in Bhutan, in Lunana. But I kept telling him, no, you know, we will make sure that she studies. She goes to college. You know, she sees the world. But then her father kept saying, oh, no, that, that that's just dreams. You know, there's no way she'd be able to do that. But through her own merit, academic record, and I think also maybe, you know, the journey of this film and the journey of Pemzam on screen, uh, she became one of only a handful of children selected for this really prestigious school. So I'm very, very happy to share with you and the mm -hmm. rest of the film community that Pemzam will continue. You know, she's become the first student from Lunana to go beyond sixth grade. Oh, that's fantastic news. That's fantastic <laughs> news. That makes me happy too. <laughs> <laughs> Does this mean you've actually, have you actually been back since the film has been made? Because I know you were having problems with the pandemic to take it back to show them. Uh, I, haven't, on I haven't been able to go to Lunana, uh, you know, mm. uh, because it's it's a very, very difficult trek to go up. It's very demanding. And of course, uh, once the pandemic hit, just as the, you know, the, the, the film's journey started, then I was, I live in Taiwan. So, you know, I was stuck mm -hmm. here. I wasn't able to go back. Bhutan had some of the strictest COVID policies and regulations. Like uh, if you come into Bhutan, you have to stay in quarantine for three weeks. Uh, if every time there was a case, we the entire region would go under lockdown. And you have to understand that Lunana is this small, isolated village um, that is not quite exposed to the outside world. So people were very worried about what the, yeah. uh, uh, you know, situation could be if they were exposed to the virus, mm -hmm. you know. So, but uh, Penzam has, uh, uh, you know, come down to join the school. 
and uh, we have been able to talk on the phone and you know facetime and you know uh, she's she's grown up now she's uh, but still she has the same you know charm mm-hmm. oh that's lovely <laughs> mm-hmm. um i was wondering as well uh, how was the film actually funded um, um very 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 you know we we barely had any money uh uh i invested a little bit of my own f- money in it uh mm-hmm. and uh you know uh there's a film uh, you can see the poster over here called Hema Hema yeah. I helped yes. produce that film and mm-hmm. uh, what happened was when that film uh it's it's a very very uh art film you could say very different from Lunana so it didn't have many distributors but it did have one distributor for Hong Kong uh, called Huan Shi and they're also based in London so you know while working on that film i got i met them so i wrote to them you know and i said oh you know uh, thank you so much for helping with hema hema i was wondering if you had uh, you know film production department because i'm trying to make this film and they were like sure send us your script we'll see what we can do and and i sent it to them and they were like oh okay we we will we'll help you how much money do you need and i said i don't know this is my first film i think around 200000 dollars and then they were like oh that's it and i was like yeah and then they said okay fine this is the money and then they they helped me and you know that the amazing thing is um they they were so off hand that it was really helpful for me as well they gave the money i made the film and after that they they didn't you know i mean they just wanted a certain like uh, executive producer credits and all that but it was really up to me a very offhand oh, investment and it was really good so when the film got oscar nominated the company themselves didn't even know about it uh, apparently <laughs> the ceo you know his friends in hollywood called him and said oh congrats steven and steven was like what for what and they're like your film got oscar nominated and he was like what really which one <laughs> so it came as a big surprise for them <laughs> oh that's a good surprise <laughs> So apparently he had to call his department and be like hey is this film ours? <laughs> um but uh, very very it's, it's it is a very small budget. Um I think mm-hmm. uh, you know and that's actually what made our I think uh, journey even more amazing is that uh, it, it's uh, it's the most unlikely journey a film could have been on. Yeah. You mentioned in you the uh uh interview you did with Ang Lee that mm. um you didn't actually get to see any of the dailies. Yes. And when you brought it back to Taiwan was it the first time you really yes, got to yes. see it and I work yes. in film post production so I'm really keen to know the technical side of how, how you got it all to work so well together when you had no idea whether the light had changed too much well, and <laughs> you know for us uh, um while we are up there we had such limited power uh you know we had the solar panels and the only things the solar panels uh, the the or the battery was used for was powering uh, uh you know our camera our sound and our uh, you know what this one laptop for dumping our footage and that's it and uh, it was really you know we had no uh power for lights and it was really like shooting in the dark and uh, we just had to 
go over the the the, the script over and over every day you know the script supervisor myself uh, our cinematographer we would sit down every day and really cross check you know if we were missing everything if making sure we got everything um i i had a small monitor you know where like almost mm-hmm. like a hand size monitor where i could watch what was being shot and that also what had happened was towards the middle of the shoot uh, one of our camera assistants he tumbled down the mountain and then that went into the water uh so i lost that so <laughs> it made it even more difficult but i think it was just uh you know actually when we are in difficult situations like that i think it makes us more meticulous it makes us more careful mm-hmm. and because we know that we don't have the safety net of having dailies to make sure that everything uh, is there you know and we get everything i think when you have these things sometimes you become complacent and then you know you you end up missing things but uh, we were aware of the challenge from the beginning and that made us even more meticulous and at the end it uh, you know worked out well Yeah, it's because you've worked with a cinematographer before, haven't you? Yes, on, um, yes. Uh, Hema Hema. Yes, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, actually even me becoming a director, you know, it's it's uh, I owe it to him because we worked on Hema Hema together. And uh, after making Hema Hema, he told me, he was like, you know, Pao, you, you are an amazing storyteller. You should really get into writing and directing your own film. And at that time, I thought, oh, you know, f- film is definitely something that i'm not really that interested in and I, i i just you know i was like i'll i'll think about it but it was really you know his uh, his persistence that made me consider it and now you know it's come to this now yeah that's uh that's excellent <laughs> so what are your hopes for bhutanese filmmaking over the next 10 years um you know we are very very small uh country our film industry is very small uh i think we are lucky if we make a film uh of this you know of uh, international level film every 4 to 5 years um but because we are so small it's because we don't really have an audience you know and i have always said this what is an artist if there is no audience to appreciate what the artist is creating uh, the artist gets inspired to create more by the recognition and by the support of the audience and um i think uh journeys of films like lunana from the world's most remote classroom to the oscars it inspires you know it inspires the struggling filmmakers that hey if you put your heart to it and if you tell a story that is coming from your heart you know it can mm-hmm. travel and uh, i i always say this you know the journey of lunana gives inspiration not only to bhutanese filmmakers but to all uh, you know small film filmmakers you know struggling filmmakers filmmakers who are wondering hey i'm making this film is anyone even going to watch it because you know uh, when i made this film i i didn't think that it would go beyond bhutan i i had no expectations for how it has been received and the journey it has been on i just you know made a film to tell the story of bhutan and i think uh, you know um it's uh, the journey of lunana and uh, the journey of other independent films from bhutan that have gone beyond bhutan it only inspires us to dare dares us to dream and dares us to think that oh 
it can happen we can do it and uh hopefully more people will untie knots <laughs> yes i hope so too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. actually okay the thing is there are as i was saying earlier the, the, you know storytelling is a rich tradition in bhutan so there are amazing amazing stories that bhutan can share with the world you know um it's it's a very very special country um like just just with the buddhist values uh, there's so much we can share yeah yeah no i'm i'm definitely looking forward to hunting down some more bhutanese film mm. as if mm. i can <laughs> <laughs> trying not to do it illegally obviously because you know it's hard to get hold of it's like what people resort to so um, hopefully that your film has sort of like put Bhutan a bit more on the world stage that people will start mm -hmm. taking uh, a greater interest um, I'm used to working on like big budget movies because I work uh -huh. on weather effects in New Zealand so I'm working in, uh -huh. on like superhero movies and I'm always oh. really drawn to simpler stories like uh -huh. Lunana because mm -hmm. I think they more resonate more with with the human side of things. Yes, um, yes. You know, uh, actually, yeah. even with Lunana, I was really inspired a lot uh, by the older Chinese films, uh, older Japanese films that are, you know, about simple stories. I was really inspired by the earlier works of Zhang Yimou, um, Not One Less, uh, The Road Home. And there's this beautiful uh, Chinese film called Postman in the Mountains, um films of uh you know uh corridas you know th these are the stories that really inspire me that you know from such simple story you can send across such a universal human story that mm -hmm. you know inspires people yes um yeah Zhang Jimu is one of my favorite Chinese directors mm. I saw um yes. one second at the film festival the one with mm. the, the small but it's, that's such a wonderful story about cinema and it's just so simple Yes, as well. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned <laughs> Not One Less and The Road Home, two favorites of mine, and Kore Eda yeah. as well. So I yeah. can see why I liked your film so much. Kore <laughs> <laughs> Eda has been such a big inspiration for me, you know. And um, again, you know, when you are a struggling filmmaker in a country like Bhutan, how do you have access to films like his, right? So sometimes yeah. you have to do <laughs> the illegal means. And uh, a couple of years ago, I had the honor of sitting with him in Toronto Film Festival and we, we were sitting over at dinner and then I was so excited to see him and I was like oh you know director Corrida I'm such a big fan of yours and I was telling him all his movies and how I enjoyed them and he was like how do you get to watch my films in Bhutan? <laughs> <laughs> it's an awkward question. <laughs> yeah I was like oh yeah we, we <laughs> but see the thing is you know the uh those are the films that inspired me to make my own film and uh yeah. you know I, i'm i'm very grateful uh you know to them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think because one of the themes of the search for happiness is something that is very universal that people can relate to no matter where you are in the globe yes you know, you know uh, okay even with lunana's story um i always tell people that this is such a it's a diverse cinematic experience you know, here you are watching a film in the language that, you know, many people have never heard of, uh, a language that was solely created for the sole purpose of spreading the teachings of the Buddha. You know, uh, we have men in skirts uh, singing about yaks and talking about the value of yak dung, uh, shot in a location that you will never see 
otherwise uh, that yeah. I have never seen myself as a Bhutanese. So it's very diverse. But I think what is uh, universal about it is the story. Uh, you know, uh, we all as human beings, whatever we do, we are on this journey of seeking happiness, seeking a sense of belongingness. We do it in different ways. Brits have their way of doing it. Bhutanese have their ways of doing it. People in New Zealand have their way of doing it. But mm -hmm. we are all on this common journey of seeking happiness and security and where we belong. That's what drives us every day. And this movie was about that. You know, in a very diverse way, we uh, we have tried to present that universal human story. And I think uh, the journey of the film coming out right at the start of the pandemic uh, it kind of propelled the film forward uh, because, you know, it came out at a time where everyone was told to fear one another, to distrust one another, to put up barriers, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and to have this, uh, you know, uh, what do you say, suspicion, or oh, what, what could this person be bringing us, you know. And when that loneliness was there, I think this film came out and presented this story that was a celebration of humanity, you know, and um, it, it, I think that's what helped us. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember, oh, you know, when this film went to the Cairo Film Festival, I, I, I walked out of the screening out of the Cairo Opera House, and there was this college girls, these Egyptian college girls outside, and they were trying to sing the Yak song, and it really touched me. And then a couple of weeks later, I couldn't travel there, but someone sent me a video from Tel Aviv and it had screened there uh, in the Spirit Film Festival in Tel Aviv. And then there were these uh, Jewish audience, mm -hmm. again, trying to sing the Yak song. And I, I felt so touched at that time, uh, you know, uh, how... Uh, a small, uh, and then you know, okay, I, I purposely put the Yak song because this is a very important song in our culture that our own youth are forgetting about. And I'm trying to make it more relevant, make it cool for the youth, you know. And yeah. uh, here we have the, you know, the Muslims and the Jews trying to sing this forgotten Yak song from the Himalayas. And I thought that was very beautiful. And that inspired me. That that inspired me to try and make more films and try, you know, to try and share mm -hmm. uh, my culture with the rest of the world. Yeah, because music's quite a strong theme as well that connects yeah. people and opens up people's hearts as well. Exactly. So, yeah, it, as they say, it's, it's it's a universal language, right? <laughs> it is. It is definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, because uh, by and uh, I personally related a lot because I'm originally from the UK and I came out to New mm -hmm. Zealand to look for my happiness here so and I ah. teach within my job too so I related to a fair number of the themes that came up so oh, wonderful you know I wasn't a reluctant wonderful, wonderful. migratory person <laughs> I wasn't dragged here against the world <laughs> I don't think that's possible with New Zealand <laughs> <laughs> so is there something you're working on um currently that you're allowed to talk about or yes yes uh i'm currently uh working on the post-production of my second film which is called four days to full moon um it's a, it's very different from lunana uh i see it as a challenge uh you know i want to try and um, challenge myself with different kinds of films so this one is a little bit more you could say of, uh, on the comedy side and uh, it's got multiple storylines and it deals with the opening up of Bhutan 
in the mid 2000s uh you know mm-hmm. bhutan uh, has had an incredible journey where you know we were the last country to connect to the internet we were the last country to connect to the television uh i think we are the only country in the world that became a democracy against the people's wishes people wanted the king to stay in power but the king was like listen we need to adapt we need to change with the rest of the world so i'm going to resign and then we're going to have something called democracy and everyone was like no 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 we don't want that <laughs> uh, but uh, that happened and i think that's that, that's mm-hmm. that's a story that's worthy of sharing with the rest of the world you know because yeah. we live in a world where you know children have grown up with television children have grown up with internet and for there to be democracy there's always war there's always a revolution uh, there's always bloodshed and in bhutan it wasn't like that you know overnight ke overnight when tvs were allowed in bhutan uh, they, the the yak herders started selling their yaks to buy tv sets and overnight the pictures of the buddhas were replaced by the, with david beckham you know uh, people were <laughs> like that so um, i think as a storyteller uh it's my responsibility to you know to 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 capture this story mm-hmm. and you know to yes. keep it as a visual reference for the future generations of bhutanese yes this is good way of preserving because <laughs> the the film was set in two, was it 2006 or 2008 if you remember 2007. the calendar on the 2007 2007 yeah. so what i've done is i've taken of course uh, television internet democracy it came at different times but i've taken the creative liberty to try and like keep it as one change that came mm-hmm. together yeah yeah now there was definitely a lot like mm-hmm. a relate to so like when he was having dinner and was constantly on the phone texting whilst the other person was uh was his uh, mission and nana was trying to talk to him and oh, oh, yes, yes. that so it was just <laughs> <laughs> the amount of times I've sat somewhere and someone's been on the phone just like not paying attention to what's going on it's uh, <laughs> little, little things like that were very relatable <laughs> thank you so much for talking to yeah. me for this length of time okay, about, okay. really enjoy the conversation all right and, thank uh, you so much yeah. for covering our okay bye-bye ジロナナギミセソタバラカトレネビチェマレスイラネビジョスリズムチデナイメラネビチャプサディパチカイユパチロプデディナアンヤナクシュマチナディヤギアオギベルメフォーラ So that was a really interesting chat you had with uh, Paolo uh, there okay um What can we say about the film? I mean what what did you what do you make of the film? And yeah, how, yeah, what did did you enjoy it and Yes, I did actually really enjoy it. Um I quite like simpler stories. Uh mm. it's probably because I work on a lot of movies with superheroes <laughs> in them. It's it gets very uh... crashy bangy all the time as they say. <laughs> uh, so to have something that's really nice and simple that is Bhutan, I think Bhutan is still finding its voice cinematically, yeah. which I think I said in my um, written review that, you know, for 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 everyone who's seen lots of films from the West, who's seen lots of films from all over the world, we're used to the way stories are told on screen, and it might come across as something that is 
maybe too simple and um, too too basic. Mm. You know, it's, it's it is a very traditional story. And it's, but... it's it, the, the kind of the narrative of the teacher going out into the rural is is um, you know it's not exactly groundbreaking. Um, and it's interesting that in your, your your interview he talks about Chang Yimou, but of course the film that that, that occurred to me was um, Jen Gage's uh, King of the Children, and and that you know in the same way in some ways that the Nunana is kind of talking about the society there. Obviously that was having a a statement about yeah sort of uh, mm-hmm. Chinese uh, um, uh, the culture at that point, and and you know the the repercussions of. Um, yeah, coming out of the Cultural Revolution and when they had done that, that, that kind of thing. So it's it's a, a, it's a, a little more extreme the message, perhaps in, in *Children*, uh, *The King of the Children*. But you know there is there is that side to the to the, to the film, isn't there? It is a little bit more than than just a, a, a you know than, than just a than, than a simple story. It is kind of saying talking about the the the, the, the what's happening in Bhutanese society. Yeah, and as well, it reflects as well as I said, his um. His Buddhist philosophy, the Buddhist philosophy of looking for happiness internally rather than externally, and being able to connect with tradition of your country rather than replacing it with with modern things. Yeah. Mm. And um, yeah, it's a it, it was a really it was really lovely to interview. He was very well spoken <laughs> about the film, and um, he's clearly talked about it a lot. And yeah. yeah. But even then, you know, like between 2019 and 23, he still hasn't lost his enthusiasm for telling this story, which I think says a lot about how much, how personal it probably feels to him. Um, the the fact that he uses the villagers that are actually in that mm. that village to film and just tells them, just be yourselves in front of the camera, which, yeah, I think it, it provides a level of, of innocence in acting. That um, you don't really get. It's it's genuine. There's something something yeah. from the heart going on there, rather than something just visual. And oh, I'm going to look good on on camera. It was very much just being themselves. Yeah. And the again, children I mean, that pick their nose to, to the smiles <laughs> from the villagers. You know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, again, you, you when you talk about you know when you when we're having that chat about about uh, Changi Mao and it, you know, he mentions not one less, of course, which is another film where uh, Changi Mao went to it got real children and real people to actually perform in it in the same way that you get that from people like Ken Loach and stuff like that. It's a very genuine when you get the right level of it and and, and it's either it gets past the awkwardness or sometimes that awkwardness can be quite useful because actually that's a bit more genuine to real life than um, people who are just, you know, perfectly well spoken and know their lines exactly. In real life we don't, you know, it's uh, interesting. Yeah. But, um, the landscape as well of Bhutan is is it's very beautiful. Oh, it's phenomenal, isn't it? You just mm. it opens up a place in the world that you probably would never get to see. Mm. You know? It's it's just so beautiful. And some of the some of the cinematography, as I was saying in review, there's some gorgeous close ups of like hands touching fences and sort of very the the, the pulled focus, whether it was deliberate or not, or whether it was just mm. uh, a result of the way they had to film. It was really effective. It just made small moments seem really momentous yeah. in a way that happens in real life. That when you are having a conversation with someone, you sometimes do remember the texture of something you were touching or what you were wearing or how how a situation was. You remember those small details when you're you're having those deep conversations, those moments that are really important. 
And I know you're you're quite keen to to see a bit more uh, Bhutanese um, cinema, aren't you? I have am. you managed to do it? Have you, have you managed to sit, get it, find anything yet? I think there is on Vimeo uh, Hema Hema, which is mm. one of uh, the film that he was a producer on and uh, the cinematographer worked on as well. Mm. Um, that's actually on Vimeo. I have no idea whether it has subtitles or not. I presume it does. <laughs> um, but I think I'll probably, I'm going to fork out some money and have a watch <laughs> it and see see if I can see some elements of Lunana in that. And uh, I should get back to you with my uh, my findings. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I've seen a couple of, I've seen a few films and, and at the moment, uh, unsurprisingly, you know, until really this release, which, um, I mean, as I say, it's finally coming out in the UK from Peccadilla Pictures. Um, but this one, this, I mean, it, it got the um, Oscar nomination, is that correct? Yeah. And, um, and it's it's you know so it would it was it's been to various territories actually it's kind of one of the, I think probably one of the first really kind of relatively widely released uh, Bhutan films. Um, so before now the the films that I've seen you know obviously have been at film festivals um, and and very much some of them very much focused on on some of the Bhutanese cinema. Some of the things I've seen previously, and and this is actually actually less true. Obviously, that they they have the landscape, but are also it's quite interesting films like ones that I've seen like The Red Phallus and Honey Giver among among the dogs. Um, there's a very dreamlike quality to them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, it, it's very interesting. It almost this kind of I guess almost kind of dreamy mythology kind of thing that start, that that perhaps kind of comes from a culture that kind of really gets into the into the, the 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 it seems it's it's kind of there it's kind of present and and feels like it's quite genuinely part of and then i guess it's not basically not even kind of dreams and, and mythology but actually kind of religion as well and and all those parts that, that are very much part of everyday life versus um a lot of the other kind of east asian cinema that we're used to seeing that, that that's very different to that yeah um yeah, I, I definitely am wanting to see search out more of that. I like mm. I like the sound of that very much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I mean, hopefully, I mean, this will this will mean that that the that, that more stuff starts to get released and it it puts a lot more focus mm-hmm. on it. I mean, as I, say, I think this is it's a bit of a shame that, that it's taken this long to get out to the UK, but um, it it is a very it's a very easy film to watch. It's a very sweet film, um, mm-hmm. and and as you say, I mean the the, the performances in it are, are great. So it, it kind of it just pulls you along. It's got a nice, very kind of poppy, if I remember right. It's got a quite a nice little poppy soundtrack to it. That again, it's not saying it was massively expecting, um, but was 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 quite a fun part of it. Um, yeah, you know, it's a very very sweet film, but very yeah. very deserving to kind of be out there a lot more. And definitely one you could like go to with like your whole family. It's definitely yeah. a family oriented film that you know if you want to introduce your parents to an Asian cinema, it'd be a nice, a nice gentle way into Spotter. it before taking them to see something like uh, Hard Boiled. You know. Hmm. Well, you know, Hard Boiled is a family film as well. I mean, it has got you know the the famous uh, image they always use with Chow with the, yeah. with the baby. So it's, it's a family film. It's a fa- it's a family film. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your for 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 coming for for, for interviewing Powell and um, for coming no, on the show to chat about it. I've not done something like that before, so you can probably hear I was a little nervous at times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was really lovely to talk to, and yeah, he was he was very just very keen to talk about his film still, and uh, I look forward to seeing more of his projects. Yeah.
Gotta get up. Good morning, Nobu. Good morning, Nobu. Yeah, I'm going to get up. 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 So James, it's mm. time for uh, something we haven't done for quite a while, which it's is true. our East true. Kicks Picks, a roundup picks. of kind of. I don't even think we bothered to call it that for a while. Um, just roundup of, uh, <laughs> of of stuff that's around on the, the streaming yeah. services and. Yeah, but I think it's I think it's something which lends itself to not being a regular feature, because <laughs> you know, we go through very very long periods of nothing turning up and then suddenly stuff turning up. So I think it's better to it's, do it's it. The buses, isn't it? So exactly. buses. Exactly. They're so getting worse all the time as well. Uh, they're getting worse all the time. And I, I, I'm, I'll preface it by saying, I mean, I'm not, there's nothing from Amazon because the Amazon search function is just non-existent. To, you know, to even try and find anything is just useless. So try and find something as, mo- as niche as, um, you know, a Chinese film, Korean film, Japanese film, anything like that. Forget it. It's just, it's just, the re- it just returns absolutely nonsensical results. So there may or may not be stuff on Amazon. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll start. I off think with... there is stuff on Amazon, but we will never find it, or it'll pop up, and then we'll yeah, we can... we'll go. Oh, that's interesting, and then by the time we go to look for it again, we'll forgot what we we're looking for. Or, or it will be a dodgy, you know, upload with somebody's. Uh, well, that's the other thing. You know, yes. so I, I don't really, no, no, I can't really be having with Amazon stuff. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll start off by just saying that. Yeah, <laughs> good luck if you find anything on Amazon. You can let us know on social media, mm. and we'll see if we can. <laughs> we can find it. <laughs> um, okay, but Shudder. Uh, Shudder's Shudder. actually got quite a few things. Uh, it's it, They've been on there for a couple of months, but they do have a bunch of old Japanese 1960s like yokai films, uh, like Spook mm-hmm. Warfare, 100 Monsters, along with Ghosts, um, The Snake Girl and the Silverhead Witch. Uh, I've, not really, I've not watched any of them. I mean, that's not massively my... Not massively my, my, my thing, those, those sort of older... Uh, you know, those older sort of Japanese ghost films, because they're not really horror films, they're, and they're not quite, um, you know, kaiju films, but they're, I don't know, not creature films. I don't, I don't know what I'd call them, really. I mean, I understand that they've probably got some interesting sort of mythologies in them um, and everything like that, and obviously they've been still popular enough for people to remake some of them, like oh, like The Great Yokai War and all those type of films, mm. you know, tag back to those. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not... I'm not massively, not just not massively into that sort of older 1960s uh, stuff. Maybe one day I suddenly will be, but <laughs> but it's good. It's yeah. nice to see them on there. Um, more recent stuff that's been added is old. Um, always pops up somewhere. Uh, Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell. Um, it just, I mean, that was on Amazon for a while, definitely. Um, now it's turned mm. up on Shudder. 
and I mean, fair play to me. Our, our old pals Terracotta released it in in the UK, mm. and it's it's turned up in a bunch of places since, and it's it's pretty fun. It's sixty odd minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not well long. It's a <laughs> sort of pretty. But no, no. I mean, regular listeners will know that that is. Uh, it's truly a compliment from us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Other, other listeners may not be uh, so enchanted by a film that's um, below the Korean average. <laughs> yes, well, quite, <laughs> quite. But uh, it's a pretty fun... I haven't seen it since, uh, you know, they originally put out Terracotta, but I remember it's pretty good. Uh, just a cheap, fun Japanese knockoff of The Evil Dead before you got into that, uh, you know, whole Sushi Typhoon, Tokyo Gore Police waves of, of that mm. kind of gore. So it's another heavy gore one, but... Pretty stupid uh, in a funny way. So, yeah, it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Um, Satan Slaves, the, the sequel, um, which sometimes goes as Satan Slaves 2, sometimes goes as Satan Slaves Communion. Communion? Yeah. Uh, which I thought was pretty good. I mean, I like a lot of those films. But it's still got a lot of the Indonesian horrors on the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, as a platform, they, they really... do you think it's... Because I, I, uh, I, I do find it, you know, there's a... There's a I want to use a word like bewildering, but there are so mm. many choices now. So oh, many yeah. companies have, have have gone down this line of having their own um, streaming platform. Obviously, Sodo has been there for a while now. It's not one of the bigger companies like your Paramounts or whatever yeah. that have tried to make a name for themselves. But do you think it's still kind of providing value for? It is, and it's value for streamers. Uh, yeah, because it's cheap. It's only a five or a month uh, shutter, and it's got a pretty decent catalog. But it, what's what what's annoying about Shutter is. Um, I don't know, because the internet here is a bit stupid, or in one of the houses I go, I, I was magically transported into the US version of Shudder for about two months recently, and there's way, way, way more stuff on there, uh, and way, way, way more interesting stuff. The only criticism, I mean, I think Shudder is good for the price, as long as, you know, you still get a reasonable number of films added every month, maybe about 15, 20 films a month, uh, well, maybe 10 to 20 films, some, some are slower, but... Uh, they they do have a few like shutter exclusives and stuff where, where they're actually buying films and getting into some production, uh, and and the only problem is just that quite a lot of their stuff and tends to then be on Amazon Prime as well, uh, or to turn up on Amazon Prime a little slightly later. So, um, it, it's a you know if you've got Amazon Prime and you've got the other streamers, then you, you know there's a bit of double dipping. Uh, between them, but but no, no, I'm I'm happy to have Shutter. I'm I'm not diving into any of the others like Paramount Plus or all these other TV ones, all these other streamer channel ones. Like as you say, there's so many of them now. It's just too, too much and too too confusing. Um, at this stage, and you know they're all about Shutter's a fiver. Most of the others come in just under ten pounds a month or so. So you could end up you know having, you know, a good fifty sixty quid a month if you're getting all the main ones at least. Anyway, so it's. No, it, it, it's just getting a bit silly uh, with the amount of them out there. And even just then searching or tracking down what's on them or not on them. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Life's too short for that, man. Um, but Shudder is also, they added uh, Lady Vengeance, which it's an interesting choice, I guess. I mean, it's not a horror film, but then Shudder has a fairly loose uh, definition of horror. I think we we said before, they've got the, that horrific Hong Kong film, Travisia on there still. So that's... <laughs> I'm not quite sure the how horror. you... I mean, at least Lady Vengeance has got, is murderous and it's got serial yeah. killery stuff in it. So, okay, I give it a pass. But Travisia? Mm. <laughs> that's a tough... It's that's not a even tough particularly one. kind of violent. No, it's, it's not even really a... It's more like a socially drama type of one. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. good. I'm not nothing against it, but it's yeah. not, horror, not horror at all. That's fine. Never mind. Um, mm. But the, the most recent ones they've added is uh, The Witch and The Witch Part 2, the other one. Mm. 
which are both really good, really good, and both surprisingly gory, gory films. That quite, you know, the, the second one. Can, it's, it's fallen kind of a bit below the radar. I think so the releasing's been a bit confused <laughs> on on, on yeah. all territories. I think definitely. No, no, I completely agree. And the titling just doesn't help. Um, mm. Either because the the witch is getting called the witch here, but it wasn't. What was it called? The witch subversion or the Vision. witch part yeah. one subversion. Yeah, subversion. So it just yeah. makes it's a stupid name um, and a very long name as well, and confuses people. And now the fact if you call something part one and then the other one just doesn't appear for until ages later, people yeah. yeah you know most people might not even bother watching part one when they couldn't find a part two, and now yeah. there's a yeah. part two with an equally stupid stupid. Name. I mean, okay, I mean, a stupid English name. Number one. Let's just say that. Uh, I'm sure maybe the Korean name makes a lot more sense. But they're good, they're good films, and I, you know, I, I, I agree. Um, it's they've gone kind of under the radar, which is a bit of a shame because they're, you know, like that, uh, that other that recent new um, project Wolf Hunting. They, these are pretty crazy, very gory. They don't make too much sense or anything, but they're a lot more fun. Uh, which is not a word I, I generally associate with a lot of Korean cinema, uh, or the Korean cinema we get over here. Uh, put it that way, or on the streamers. You don't. I don't usually associate fun, gory genre films uh, with Korean cinema too much. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, they're definitely worth checking out. And that, that's about it for Shudder. Um, so that I'm not not going to get into Amazon. I'm not going to dive into any of the the more. Um, the companies like the the Paramounts, the Disney's, whatnot. Mm. Um, I doubt they've got much anyway. I'd be very surprised. Uh, so on Netflix, though, there, there's been quite a few. They 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 are continuing to put uh, some reasonably interesting stuff on there, and as usual, not to actually seem to put it in their algorithm very well, or, or even to put it on their, <laughs> you know, new releases or you know, uh, trending or whatever the kids call it now. So it's it's the usual problem. But at least if you search on Netflix and you search for Korean films, Japanese films, Chinese films, then you know you've got a you've got a fighting chance of actually finding stuff. It should not just not in the order of the, here's the new stuff first. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, not wasn't too long ago we had Warriors of Future mm. uh, landing on there, which I I really enjoyed, and other people didn't seem to really enjoy so much. Or third is pretty, but I I genuinely thought that was a good film. Uh, Good spe- very good special effects, surprisingly. Yeah, and yeah. very nice, good cast as well. And it's 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 pretty dumb, but it's not. You you know it's superior, or certainly no worse than if it was a Hollywood film. Put it that way, and it's way yeah. it's way better than, you know, CCP propaganda junk like the Wandering Earth films. Uh, well, I mean, the first one was funny-ish. I'm not watching the second one because, uh, but it's better. It's, it's better the, than the that. prequel. Yes, it's a prequel to the second one, isn't it? Jesus. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I thought Warriors of the Future was for that. I, I do quite it's like absolutely it. Absolutely fine. It's about ninety, about ninety minutes. Ninety-seven it? minutes, so I think. A, yeah, it's a nice digestible. Yeah, it doesn't take yeah. itself too seriously, and yeah, pretty fun. It only let down by the alien design, which is the same again for pretty much every horror film, uh, like Hollywood film. On that, like people seem to have given up on actually making aliens look different for for a very long time now so it's yeah, another one yeah. of them but good film definitely worth checking it would have liked to have seen it in the cinema but you know i'll take it i'll take it on netflix uh a few taiwan ones added uh post-truth world is a thriller which i've heard is pretty good like uh, a crime conspiracy one um mm. the falls a drama um again highly has been highly regarded and incantation which i, I was a lot less keen on um 
than yourself, I think. You quite you liked Incantation, didn't you? Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. not it's not that it's bad. It's two just, sequels coming for that. Two sequels, yeah. Awesome. yeah. Uh, yeah. A trilogy. One must be coming quite soon. And it's it's okay. It's just I I I didn't think the found footage aspect of it really made too much sense. Uh and as a found footage um a fictionado uh, myself. Mm. I, I just didn't. Some parts. I of think it I know work. exactly what you mean, and I agree. Mm. I think this one had a bit of an out, uh, a get out clause, which it does. I, I know what you mean. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. but it, yeah, I think we we did talk about it on on previous programs as well. So. We have, yeah. Um, so I mean, it does seem like that. There's it's it's fine. You get these waves of mm. of, of it feels like there's sort of waves of different pushes. So we definitely had. A push for a lot more Japanese content on mm-hmm. Netflix over the last couple of months, and yeah. for Korean content as well, haven't we? The, we have, and I, and, I, and I would say that I'm not diving into the series because I mean they're adding lots and lots of series as well, especially from uh, Korea, and it's I mean without <laughs> besmirching it, it's just saying it's lots of K K drama and romance and you know sort of K pop looking floppy floppy haired guys and. <laughs> girls who who just stare at them intently by the look of it um, or sort of slightly quirky <laughs> romances so I, it's fair enough it, I, it's just not my thing and I wouldn't I, there's not much point in me you know listing off all of them and I wouldn't even know if some of them were new ones or older ones or um, or, or popular ones or anything so I, I can't say for that but they did add the series The Glory which I'd quite like mm-hmm. to watch I heard uh, I think it's a two I think it comes in two sections, which seems to be a popular thing for Netflix. So I think there's like eight episodes and the second eight. Um, well, they'll probably be online uh, by the time this goes out, so I think it's in mid-March. So I just wait till it's all there, uh, and then I might watch it, which seems to be some revenge linked to high school abuse type thing. But uh, I've I heard... mean, with that, it, it, I almost, I mean, in parts, that seems to be a bit of a production schedule thing, which seems to have um... got more common over the last few years with COVID. Oh, I, you, I mean, so on some of the cases, so, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not just Korean stuff. They're doing it with Western stuff. Well, as like, well. yeah, I mean, well, they did it with with uh, Better Call Saul was broken into two parts. Okay. I think the last season of, um, yeah, I mean, you had it. We had Stranger Things was cut into two halves. You the, you the new series of You is in two yeah, halves. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, yeah, maybe it is a thing that they. Maybe I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who would look at that and go, okay, well, I'll. I'm so desperate to watch this mm. that I'll I'll watch this and then yeah I mean yeah. I, personally I'd rather just wait till it's all there so I can watch it at my own pace rather than think how yeah. long have I got to wait now oh, well no. it's not at least it's not as bad as Amazon which is just we, which is like, weekly for stuff like that I mean I still haven't watched the end of that Lord of the Rings one not because I didn't like it just because I got really bored waiting week after week after week and then by the time it was all finished then there's a ton of other new stuff to watch so. Um, I, I really, really, I really don't like. In fact, I get really annoyed by the weekly model, and why they've switched to, why why they've switched. I'm sure they they've got their reasons, but um, if I mean, it's trying to, yeah. I guess it's a way to kind of drip feed. I mean, this is kind of a more general conversation, not really about kind of agent mm. uh, product and content, but um, it's a it's a way to kind of drip feed the me. You know, you're going to get more hits at the 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 sort of the the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, I think so. You know, in terms of reviews and so on, if yeah. you kind of drip read it bit by bit by bit, then if you're yeah, doing, I, and I think as well, it in one just, batch. Yeah, but then I also that doesn't say that that what that says is you don't have a lot of confidence in. Uh, no, in or but maybe so to, it is to get out there. But maybe as well that that just ties into the fact that as we're you know as I've just said about Lord of the Rings that people's attention spans are much 
less than the less than they used to be. So, um, I don't know. It, it's interesting. I, I don't really know the an- I don't really know the answer. But doing it at least doing it in two parts, even if they're like a few weeks apart, and you know you have a break in the middle, then that, that's way preferable to the weekly thing. The weekly thing just. It, it's whatever their reasons are for it for, you know for a viewer it just seems like going back to the time and because every you know people put whether it's reviews or anything now it'll be the, the headline of the review the headline on the social media post be spoiler you know this guy dies in the episode and you know, so actually avoiding stuff is really hard uh, yeah and i and i that that's the other thing i really dislike about it it's very hard now to actually get all the way to last like say 10 weeks I know you basically, if, if there's something you want to watch, you have to just basically, whenever you even see, yeah, uh, if, if it even comes anywhere near to your mm. into your kind of uh, your your news feeds and and um, social feeds, you have to just close your eyes and no, exactly. it so that you don't see anything yeah. that spoils there. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh well, never mind. Moving. It's exhausting. Exhausting. Why it is exhausting. Then. Um, okay, so Japanese films. There's a few. Uh, I did re slash member, uh, which I, I fell asleep halfway through. Haven't watched the rest of it. It was pretty poor. I mean, I, I love, I love that that kind of film. It's another sort of like deadly time loop type of film, Happy Death mm-hmm. Day or whatever. But it's just no. It was just very shrill and teen, you, you know. So maybe, but which, so maybe it's fair enough. Maybe it's just for a younger audience. But um, it was certainly listed up as if it was like a horror, you know, proper horror film and everything. It's definitely, mm-hmm. it's definitely, yeah, definitely one of those, you know, those kind of the like little trailer says kind of. Gives that impression as well, and the, yeah, the it's. I mean, it, from from what I from what I saw of it before I fell asleep, it was very shrill. A lot of, you know, when you just get the sort of improbable, idle, idle-looking, you know, school kids, everything like that, and shouting a lot, you know, bickering, and nothing much happening, nothing very threatening. So no, didn't like that. Um, a couple of uh, action films, uh, Hell Dogs and the Violence Action, uh, which are, seem to be. Very much in that usual genre of both the Yakuza and has a Assassins. Very title. Yeah, it does. It, it's <laughs> I. It, I had to double double check it. It's not even the violent action, which would kind of make sense. The violence action it doesn't doesn't make sense. But maybe it's on purpose because it makes you, gets it into your head because it doesn't make sense. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but they look they look pretty interesting enough. Pretty standard, high enough production values. So if if you're into your action, yeah, you can. Check them out. And you can let us know if they're if they're any good or worth it. And um, the other thing to mention is, you know, we've covered it in depth. The Junji Ito uh, anime being on there as well, which we've which we've talked okay, about on our last board podcast. So if you want to find out what we thought about it, you can uh, yep. find out there. Yeah, not gonna not gonna spoil it here. So <laughs> go listen to the other one for a very for a very fantastic chat about it and. And then finally, yeah, Korean films. Um, a few. Well, I mean, before we go into that, I yeah. love the way that you, you wrote up this list and you missed out one of the biggest kind of uh, releases, which is Corrida's The Machinai, when you're writing up the. No, no wonder. I don't. I don't if, <laughs> you're right. I mean, I. I I, I have no time. Completely for blanked it. Yeah, I don't Completely like. Completely blanked it. I'd like to say I'd like to say that I I highly recommend it. Fair enough. Of you out there that uh, are into things like Midnight Diner. Mm. Um, it's very much of that same sort of genre. It, again, it comes from uh, a comic book, um, uh, a manga rather, you know, for, for, uh, based around food, mm-hmm. every episode based around a meal, and also, um, as you get with Little Forest. And um, it does have one of the best, actually a series of homages to George A. Romero that I've seen. So mm. no idea whether that comes from the original manga or if that's just from Corrida, but they are very finely done and very sweet. Um, so 
that in itself is a, a recommendation for me. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. No, I just don't like Curry Ada. I mean, I, I, you know, I saw that this was on there, but no, nah, not, not for me. So I neglected it. It jumped, it jumped its way out of my head, but that's fair enough. Um, was a say, oh yeah, there's a few there's a few yeah. Korean films. Um, yes. we, we've got a couple of bigger ones coming soon. That that Kill Box soon um, is coming later, end of March, uh, which has been playing a few festivals. Sounds like another it's another female assassin type one. Um, mm. Probably probably fine. Hopefully it's it's the emphasis not so much on the comedy, but uh, we'll see. Another one called Ballerina. Well, the melodrama. Or the melodrama, indeed. And, As we uh, have with the, uh, the the villainess or whatever it's called. Oh Christ, yeah, the villainess. Good. Very good opening ten minutes, and then, oh, Christ, two hours of just K drama. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's another one called Ballerina coming out, which also looks like another assassin, uh, sort of big budget female assassin one. So maybe that is maybe that's becoming a big thing again. Um, we've had uh, Soul Vibe, where which is a fast and furious looking type of one with a bunch of guys with fancy cars and colorful clothes chasing down some criminals and everything. Um, I haven't I haven't watched uh, Unlocked yet, but uh, I've been put off by some of the reviews. It, it seems like another you know, sort of high concept, one about a, a woman whose mobile phone gets hacked and then her, everything in her life goes wrong, which I thought that it, it looked fairly interesting, but nobody's had much good to say about it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I might check it out at some point uh, if I'm desperate. And and I really, it, it's strange that I haven't watched uh, Jung E or however you pronounce it, you know, the latest one from... Train to Busan director. Uh, so it's been that's been on there for a few weeks now, and it's not it's yeah. not too long. I think it's about an hour and forty, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, he's his other Netflix one before that uh, Psychokinesis was just mm. you know a mess. Um, Peninsula was decent, but also a mess. And, and the Hellbound TV series. I was going to say that's the, that's the good thing he's done. Um, yeah, yeah. But apart from that, and this. It's a weird one, this Johnny. Just going by it because it, part of it seems to be putting itself. They're pitching it as a, as a sort of proper sci-fi action film and everything, but there's something about it um, which makes me think it's a family. It's it's more like a family film with his because sometimes his sense of humor, uh, so in stuff like psychokinesis and everything like that, he, the you you know you get a bit of the some more childish stuff coming out, and it's only twelve, it's only twelve rated, and it's it's about some housewife or mother who whose body gets used to become like an ultimate cyborg fighting machine in the future, um, as far as I can tell, but seems to then still have memories of her kids. I don't know. It, it's, I should watch it even just to write about it because mm. very few people seem to have written about it or, or actually mentioned it anywhere, which, which doesn't necessarily bode very well. So I should probably be one of the ones who actually takes the dive in there to see what it's like. But so it's a fair, you know, he's... You know, still one of the bigger one of the bigger names. So I'm surprised there's not been much chat or fuss around it. Maybe it was, I don't know the history, but maybe it was one that was made for TV in Korea and came to Netflix like that rather yeah. rather than a big, you know, a sort of big proper full on, uh, film for release. I, I'm not sure, but, um, but yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, there's quite a, there's quite a few, but then it's not really that many. If you think it has been a, a good few months since we last did one of these, mm. so it's not really. Th- th- I mean, I think we could, we definitely haven't done one this year. So that's it's not really yeah. very much across um you, you know Shutter and Netflix. I'm I'm pretty sure there's nothing on Amazon. I did look, but uh, I'm just you know just saying that just because I couldn't find it doesn't mean it wasn't there. <laughs> I mean for 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 UK listeners, I mean there's there's some weird stuff out there as well. So 
if you don't mind watching a few adverts, there's quite a lot of stuff on ITVX, the new version of ITV Hub. I didn't. Well, ITVX, so there's adverts in the middle of things? Like... Yeah, it's sort of, ah, you okay. basically get adverts that are sort of various stuff, but they've got lots of what looks like um, Studio Canal. Right, okay. So they've got, you know, some ones that actually didn't even make it to sort of home media, like The Merciless. Oh, right. And The yeah, Shameless, you know, which is actually yeah, uh, a really good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, just sort of stuck out there on, you know, and they've also, I think they've got um, The Admiral War and Currents on right. there, because that's right. a studio canal release that's in the right. UK. Yeah. The Suspect. Yes. Um, also got some other stuff. And I don't know who it was, Studio Canal anymore, but um, that, remember that um, Japanese film, Gohimon? Yeah, yeah, Gohimon, yeah. From a while back. So there's, it's, it's worth a... I mean, it's, it's not quite as bad as diving into Amazon because there's not as much there, but it's worth mm. having a look on the films if you want to kind of uh, check out something and actually just <laughs> not necessarily even have to pay a subscription fee, you know, just just put up with a few adverts, I can't, breaking I can't the mood. Get, yeah, I can't get my head around that either. I mean, it's, I mean, because Amazon have their free channel as well. Free V or whatever it's called. Yeah, because it was IMDB TV first and then they rebranded it as Free V and I tried... I, I did try because there's some pretty interesting stuff on there. I mean, I, I didn't mm. search for Asian stuff. It was just uh, there's a couple of horror films I, I I was wanting to see, and yeah, the adverts just they came in. They seemed to be very very quick. The adverts when they came in and quite long and pretty frequent as well. I think in the first twenty minutes there was three ad breaks, and I just killed. It's like, a bit random when they with the apparently and apparently it well. is quite random. Uh, but yeah. it it doesn't for certainly on the Amazon the freebie thing. Uh, so I looked into it because I was seeing if there's any way to to block them or get around it, and <laughs> it doesn't seem to be. But it 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 does seem to be quite random, and maybe that's how one of the ways they get around the the, the blocking and stuff. But unfortunately, yeah. some people seem have said like in a ninety minute film once or twice they've had uh, one or two, and other people said in a ninety minute film they've had like ten. So it's it it seems random, and also where they're actually coming. Yeah, at least in the old days of, um, you know, ITV or something in like TV, then you'd have, um, you know, when the ad, they would kind of yeah. work, work around the ad breaks and the narrative for, for TV programs. So it wasn't too bad. Yeah. But with films, if you're just some of the, I can't remember which horror film it was I was watching, but it cut off in the middle of a sentence. And I yeah. just, I'm not, I, I just can't be fussed. I can't. There were, no, since we've got so good. much content and so many channels and streamers to choose from, and the ones I'm you know paying for like Netflix, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm not going. It's interesting with channels like that though, because you you sometimes you find that that you know if you are actually you know a little bit fussy and looking for a particular film, you might mm. find that that's the only place you can find yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely, and, absolutely. And that's your, that's the only choice you've got. No, no, completely, completely true, and definitely, I'd, I'd say just in the terms of horror films, that freebie has got. There's at least four or five ones on there which definitely are not... It's not that they've been on Amazon, and like a paid version, and then gone on to the, the free one. They've never been on Amazon. So it's quite annoying because I just... I can't bring myself to, to sit through all those adverts. Because um, if, the, if the ad breaks are a good, like, three, four minutes each, then, you know, even if you get, like, two in the first 20 minutes, then, you know, you've sat there for half an hour and said 20 minutes. So, so no. But... But you're right. There's probably when I, and when I've watched a couple stuff. of films like that, I found actually it seems to be the tail end. So <laughs> well, there'll be yeah. like be half an hour yeah. without any adverts, and then towards the last kind of thirty minutes, there'll be like 
four advert breaks, you know, <sighs> that sort of thing. You're like, oh. Yeah, there's probably some... It's actually the kind of worst time, particularly in a, a, you know, again, I was watching a horror film, worst time to get yeah. all those ad breaks because, oh, scary. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, rev- revealing the killer and then halfway through, halfway through the reveal, you're, you're going into a, an ad break. And it's probably as well, I mean, it, it'll, be quite, <laughs> it'll be quite sinister as well in terms of they'll be targeting you with adverts for stuff and... You know, the more you watch, because definitely, I mean, even recently, I've been looking at lawnmowers on Amazon <laughs> because, the, you know, I, I have land now, so I need lawnmower, I need proper lawnmower. And now I'm getting bombarded with adverts for that on YouTube, on Facebook, everything. It's well, a, that's what happens with Google advertising. It follows yeah, you everywhere. Exactly. So, uh, but you're, anyway, but you're right. There probably is some pretty interesting stuff on there. Um, and for people who don't have my problem with adverts and stuff, good luck to you. <laughs> but it's it yeah I, I think that's I think that's us covered so that's it for now don't forget you can find all of our previous episodes on Apple Amazon Music Spotify Google or wherever you get your podcasts Subscribe now and you'll never miss an episode. (laughs) But for now, cheers. Cheers.